Begin transmission. Transmission. The Frontline Gaming Network presents Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. The Frontline Gaming Network presenting Art of War with Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Art of War podcast. I'm your host, John, and I can tell you I missed all of you last week and I'm glad to be back. Joining us this week is the one and only Colin Sherman to talk about bugs. Uh, Colin is a very good player who you may or may not have heard of, but he's been around for a while and he does the Best in Faction podcast, one of the best competitively focused podcasts in the land. So you guys should definitely check that out. Uh, joining us, as always, is the Tom Brady of Warhammer 40k, Nick Nanavati. He's going to help us break down the discussion about this amazing tiered list that we're going to talk about today. Nick, why don't you go ahead, introduce Colin, and then uh, we'll get started. Sure thing. So Colin is, as John said, the member of the Best in Faction podcast. He's also won quite a few GTs up in Seattle. He is one of my former coaching clients and now has moved on to conquering all kinds of awesome 40k escapades. He's also the guy who runs and has started Charity Hammer, so he donates for kids and stuff, and that's really cool. Colin, how are you doing tonight? How articulate. I appreciate that. (laughs) I could have done better. (laughs) I was just wondering if if John calling you the Tom Brady of, of Warhammer... Is John outing you as a career cheater? Is that? I think probably not. But that's what that's, no, some football that. fans are going to hear that that way. I'm, I'm one of them. <laughs> I'm I'm just going to move on and bring this right on back to some tyrannids. So that's what we're here to talk right. about. It is. <laughs> so uh, why don't you start off by run us through well, this army you've created? Actually, before we go through that army, uh, if people like the discussion that we have with Colin today. Um, Colin, where can they find you if they want to maybe hit you up for some more personal advice or at least get your thoughts on where's, where's your podcast at? Uh, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, it's Best in Faction Podcast. Uh, if you want to see our web presence, we don't have a web page. We just use terrible Facebook. Uh, it's facebook.com slash B-I-F-P-O-D. And all of the other links will be there. Uh, but if you want to just message me specifically, you can do that on Facebook. Uh, or you can just email uh, bestinfaction at gmail.com, and I'll certainly get that. Amazing. And, you know, as always, this is episode one in our discussion where we break down. You can think of it as like a, a macro discussion. We're going to talk about what's in the list, why it's in the list, what the overall strategy of the list too, and then in, in episode two, we'll break down the details of how to play the list optimally in individual matchups. Okay, Nick, let's go ahead and start going through the list. Sorry. I Sorry I sidetracked us. That's That's my fault. <laughs> No, Moving that, on. that is quite all right. So, yeah, let's go through the list, Colin, um, if you are ready. Yeah, it's kind of a I'll, – I'll take just a minute and share a little bit of a story here. So uh, Nick mentioned that I was a, a coaching client, and uh, I was – I think – I'm going to say I was one of the first two because I don't know whether I was technically the first coaching client. Uh, but I was one of the first couple, and Nick pushed me into moving to Tyranids, I don't know, 2018. Uh, something like that, maybe 2017. I have no idea now. Uh, I think it's 2018. Yeah. Okay, because 2020 was like four, five years, so I don't. It's hard to know. Um, so I I moved to playing the at the time popular <laughs> double Gene Stealer Kraken Swarm Lord thing, and I did well with it. I won a major. I had won some GTs. I had a great time with it, 
but I lost interest in it as the, the game kind of changed away from it. And uh, when Ninth Edition came out, one of the first things I tried to do is make Tyranid lists work for Ninth. And they all felt fine, but none of them were outstanding. And then we got our Forge World rolls. <laughs> and since then, uh, Alex McDougall, who's, a, of course, a member of the Art of War, Alex McDougall and I have been basically running in parallel from two different quarantine places uh, as we work on this list together. And it's basically the um, new generation of that Kraken Gene Stealer list, uh, which is really fun for those of us that were in love with that. So um, it starts off with a Kraken Battalion, and that Kraken Battalion has the Swarm Lord. And then it also has a, a Fly Rank. And the Flyrant's got the, the 12 shots of strength six at no AP. And he also has, uh, I can always get their close combat stuff wrong, Monsters Rending Claws. That's right. Then uh, my troops are 30 Hormagons, 10 Hormagons, 30 uh, Devil Gaunts, and then Elictor, and then two Dimacarons, which are uh, from the Forge World rules. Um, and we can I can explain what those do, Nick, if you'd like me to. But the rest of the list is... Uh, a Kronos patrol with a Neurothrope, and then a one unit of Ripper Swarms and six Hive Guard. Oh, and an Exocrine. The Exocrine's important. So that's the list. Do you want me to go into detail on any of the elements of it, Nick? Yeah, for sure. I just wanted to get the whole thing from top to bottom. But why don't you walk us through those Diamond Karens? I think that's the big part to it. You kind of referred to the list as the the New Age Crack and Gene Stealers, and I noticed there are no Gene Stealers, but there are these <laughs> yeah. guys. So what do these yeah. do? Well, because the the issue is that gene stealers aren't particularly good, but you need something that's fast, that has good hitting power, that can dance in and out of situations, that can be positioned well. And the Damocarons do that. So a Damocaron is a 230-point big bug. It's T7, 18 wounds with a 3-up save and then a 5-up invul. And that sounds meh. It's But in fact, T7 with 18 wounds and a 5-up invul is actually quite good. and uh, if his special ability goes off, which we'll talk about in a second, then he has a five-up feel no pain for the entire game. Well, if you if you get that five-up feel no pain going, that's a pretty durable dude. But the big thing is the fact that Gene Stillers moved eight. These these dudes moved 12. So all of the movement shenanigans that you had from Gene Stealers, Demacarons just do better, and they ignore everything when they're moving. They ignore enemy models. They ignore terrain. They basically... Uh, magically appear where they want to be it's there i think the actual idea is that they're jumping over uh but that's what's happening they basically have fly without literally having the keywords they can't charge flyers yeah and you don't get a benefit for shooting them if you're someone who gets a benefit for shooting things with fly which is actually shown up right uh, so these are happens. these are pretty fast especially in cracking with all the movement shenanigans which we'll get into um they're pretty fast how hard do they hit what do these things do yeah it's kind of it's kind of crazy. They actually they actually hit really hard. So uh, they have six attacks uh, with their main attack, which is uh, hits on threes, but rerolls rerolls uh, failed hits. Actually, just rerolls hits, which is a big deal. That also makes them degrading, not as bad because you're getting that reroll. Um, and then uh, those attacks are strength eight minus three, and they do d three plus three damage. So they do a minimum of four damage, which is insanity. Uh, and then they get one tail attack, which is AP minus two to damage, which may not sound exciting to all the rest of you, but uh, mo that's like the best tail attack that Tyranids have. So that's really great. And then uh, after they attack, uh, before they before they do their follow up move, uh, they get 
um, to pick a target in engagement range. And basically that target's owner, which is your opponent, has to roll a die and add the strength of that unit, and they have to beat your strength. So they have to beat it, which means that it's a two-thirds chance they fail for strength three, 50% chance they fail for strength four, 33% chance they, they fail for strength five. If they fail, you do D6 mortals. If that kills even one model out of that unit, then you engage a five-up feel no pain for the rest of the game. Uh, that sounds kitschy and weird. It happens very regularly. It does a bunch of mortals, and them having an ability to get their own feel no pain so that Catalyst can be on something else is a is a really, really huge deal. Um, also, remember that one CP strat for Tyranids lets monsters reroll failed wounds. So then, for one CP, you've got these six man- monstrous attacks that do huge damage, and you're rerolling hits and you're rerolling wounds, and they're good AP. Yeah, this, these guys are absolutely nasty. Um, it's also, I will say, I've been the receiving end of them, and once they do the mortals, they do a... Like all those attacks hurt. Then here's D6 mortals. Also, I'm five of feeling pain. I'm very hard to kill. They're quite a problem. And then that with all the other, you've got a lot of monsters here. Exocrin, a Flyrant, Swarmlord. Flyrant's a choice I haven't seen in a long time. What is a Flyrant doing? So originally in the list, that was a Broodlord. And because what you need is a, you need a guy with the Residence Barb Relic that's giving you plus one to cast. Because you don't have advance and charge. Only white scars get all of the movement cheats all in one thing. So you don't get you don't get advance and charge unless you cast onslaught. So the broodlord's job was to be a plus one to cast onslaught, which is very likely. So that when you do want to move a dimacaron, you know, fifty inches or so before charging, then you can get onslaught off. Well, the problem is that in this list, it's so fast and it's doing so many different things that keeping the broodlord safe was really hard. So we started thinking about other tools to put in there well one of the things is in ninth edition skirmishing is a big deal there's usually a core uh force and i know that in nick's games you could see this a lot nick you nick nick and and the the gang tend to really like the idea of i've got this central force that's doing the game but i have these little skirmishing units that are going and taking objectives well the fly rent uh ends up being ridiculously fast because 16 inch base movements a lot and kraken um, and it can uh, shoot 12 strength, strength uh, six, eight, no AP shots. That isn't amazing, but it will kill a couple guardsmen. Might kill an, an intercessor. Don't know. Um, it has three powers a turn with the resonance barb. And of the three powers, you can have smite and psychic scream, which is basically just smite that doesn't ever super smite. Um, and both of those are plus one to cast is a big deal. And then you have the onslaught. So now you're doing, you know, four or so mortals a turn. You're shooting. And then you charge, and it's not the best, but it is four attacks. They do have AP. They do D3 damage. On sixes, they do high AP and three damage flat. So like, And then, they, and then there's a terrible tail, because like I said, the, the only good tail is on the Damacaron. So it doesn't do a crazy amount of damage in any phase, but it's a tool that does damage in every phase, and it's super durable, and literally no one is shooting the T7 four up invul model when the Exocrine and the Dimacarons exist, or Swarmlord, who is a much bigger threat late game than the Flyrant is. So you've got this Flyrant that no one wants to put effort into. And if it goes to an objective and there's five intercessors there, it's probably going to take that objective from the Marine player, just as an example. Yeah, that's a really cool tech piece. I was a non believer of the Flyrant. I was like, why the hell is there a Flyrant? And then I played against it. 
And I will say, I'm a believer in the Flywin. The Resonance Barb really puts it over the edge because it does let him be that little Smite Psychic uh, factory that he is, Smite with Psychic Scream, and then still be useful. I think that's, uh, like, if you Onslaught a plus one to cast, that's really important. So, And the, the mean, plus one to cast also gets you a one in six chance for a Super Smite, which might sound like that's not enough because you probably only cast, like, four times in a game. But when you get that Super Smite, man, does it feel good. And then you roll the one afterwards. Hey, now. <laughs> that happened today. Okay. Um, so, all right, I'm starting to see how it's coming together. There's the the normal Kraken-Stealer combo with the McCarrens instead of the Steelers, and that, they make a lot of sense when you think of the things we're hitting these days as multi-wound Space Marine or Death Guard bodies or things of that nature. Let's, uh, we have, let's, oh. let's slow down and talk about that yeah. a little bit for our newer players because there's a lot of new players in Ninth Edition, and they might not understand what Swarm Lord does um, and why it's so crazy. Like this what, is why we have you, John. I'm getting ahead yeah. of myself. Let's yeah. do it. So let's slow well, down and talk a little bit about what he brings to the table because Swarmy is the core of the list, I would say. Yeah, and it's funny because. Nick remembers when Swarmlord was one of the biggest models in the list. Uh, and now he is like this little tiny guy that's tr- this running around doing stuff while the Damacarons, which are giant models, <laughs> while the Damacarons are doing the work. So uh, Swarmy is a beast in combat. He casts two powers a turn. He's durable. But his big thing is his... Uh, man, I can't think of... It. Hive Commander? Is that what it's called, Nick? I think it's called yeah. Hive Commander. Mm-hmm. And basically it lets him move in the shooting phase anything he can move something again that thing can't shoot but it can still charge so what ends up happening here is you've got this dimacaron that can move 12 then you get to roll 3d6 pick highest for advance because kraken and then you can double that advance if you want then you put onslaught on him with the plus one to um to cast now you've got a guy who probably moved 24 might have only moved 22 depending on how you rolled and now Swarmlord moves him again and he can move another 18 so you could go 42 inches now i'll tell you that's that number might as well be infinite there is there is rarely a situation on a ninth edition table where you need to go 42 inches it's pretty rare but the fact that it can happen and you and it jumps over everything means that your opponent has this massive screening problem that gridlocks them from turn one there, there's an issue of the the of the these Demacarons hitting hard and hurting your opponent and killing their army, sure. And there's the issue of these distracting them while you play the mission. Because remember, Tyranids play the mission great, and the whole army is designed to play the mission really well, other than the two Demacarons. But in addition to all of that, your opponent also has to be incredibly careful how they deploy and how they maneuver, or the Demacarons are just going to kill their most important thing. And that's just yeah. the way it's going to be. And let, let's point out, those Demacarons because of their damage profile, kill characters like a boss. So if you get into like the soft, gooey center of somebody's army, where they have all of their support pieces, you know, they're, they're psychers, they're captains, they're whatever, they're going to kill them dead. And it's really hard to prevent them from getting there other than blocking space, so they actually can't land there, right? Um, but they move over models, like they have fly, and they move a million inches. So you can understand the problem that you're creating for your opponent in protecting the stuff that makes the rest of their army work. Like you have the ability to scalpel out the most important piece, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. I will say the hive guard also feel like they really add to that as well because they have indirect line of sight shooting. That's quite quality. Yeah. And I, I actually think that the, everybody talks about this as being the Dimacaron list, 
I think the hive guard in this version of the list are the absolute MVPs. <laughs> Almost all your CP ends up going into them double shooting. You can double fight with the Demacarons. You can um you can overrun you can run them away after they kill something like there's lots of stratagems you can use the exocrine can get plus one damage there's lots of great stratagems but you just i just find that the first three turns of the game i'm double shooting the hive guard because they're completely you cannot get to them you have to first of all the damakarans are there after the damakarans are gone now you've got to deal with swarm lord and the exocrine and the flyrant if you haven't dealt with all of those fast enough there's also like 80 bodies holding objectives once you've dealt with all of that, somewhere at the back of my table is uh, six Hive Guard that are shelling you every turn. They're great against Marines. They open up Rhinos, which is a really big deal in the current meta, where you can open a Rhino up with a Hive Guard and then the Damacaron can charge the thing that was inside. Um, there's a lot. The Hive Guard are just incredible. And if you can't, if your opponent can't get to them, they're just going to wreck them. They're just going to do so much. Yeah, well said. So I guess that's the whole army, the, the Damacarons. Oh, Devil Guns, Nick. Oh, the devil gods. Because I know you love How that. How could I forget these <laughs> little dudes? Oh, so what is a devil gun? Why are, there, why are they here? Now, if you're newer to Tyranids, you may not know this, but Termagants can actually have a different gun, which I know is a very surprising thing because they've been terrible for a long time. So they just had a big point reduction on their, uh, on their um, uh, whatever it's called. Devour. Uh, I can't think of what it's called. Anyways, each of them uh, for seven points. This is Devour. Thank you, Devour. For seven points, you get a dude who has three strength four shots. He only hits on fours, but if there's more than 20 of them in the group, they do reroll once to wound. That's kind of fun. Uh, so you, if you get 30 of these guys, ta-da, you've got 90 shots at strength four. Hey, by the way, double shoot is a thing that exists in Tyranids, and you don't have to have the Hive Guard double shoot. So now you're talking about 180 strength fours. Well, they're fragile, so how are you going to get them to get them there? Well, we started off by just paying a CP and outfl- doing the tactical outflank so they can come in on six, within six inches of the edge of the board. But almost every turn in the list has a lictor. And the reason they have a lictor is he's 37 points and he free deep strikes. So he can come in on turn two or three and scramble wherever you need him to. Well, there's a completely forgotten about stratagem for the, for the uh, lictor where for one CP you can bring in the, these devil gaunts within six inches of him. What that does is it means that the, that there is a, and it's about a six inch by six inch thing to put out the, the guy. I've done this a lot now. Um, so if you leave me a six inch box somewhere on the table, I can put 90, potentially 180 strength fours there. That's a huge deal because it strength four into guard is a huge deal and the sisters is a huge deal. But more than any of that, there's horde armies like orcs or like demonette spam, where the Demacarons having six attacks a turn is a massive feel bad. So then the army pivots to the Demacarons are actually more like linebackers. They're blocking for these termagants as these termagants pick up your, your army. Because I can screen them with other stuff and stop the orc boys from getting to them, and they could pick up multiple units of orcs a turn. This army is so cool. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> well before i'll tell you guys before the devil guns got added because their points just went down and we and alex and i had 40 uh, reps of this list before that we were very worried about any sort of efficient spam of 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 hordes we were worried about um the the 120 demonettes we were worried about the um a million pox walkers a million orc boys a million guardsmen with four up invuls like 
there's lots of stuff that out there that can that can really be a problem if you don't have the way to fire and they just give you the way to fire they just fix the problem entirely right yeah it actually it makes perfect sense when you think about it too like gene sealers one of their biggest issues is they don't really hit hard enough of the points these days toughness five space marines with three wounds each six of the pain all over the place death guard they're not getting it done so you increase their hittiness by making them demon karens in a way and would that left you a whole void though because you lost you went from 120 attacks to like six so <laughs> you made up for that with devil guns and i think that's like really cool and clever yeah it's it's really great and they and they feel perfect in the list um they also their guns are assault this hasn't come up in any of my games yet but i believe there's a an absolute scenario where they start on the board and you advance them and you shoot and then you like I, I put them into the Kraken. You can put them in either the Kraken detachment or the Kronos detachment. I put them in the Kraken because they need, if they're going to survive more than a turn, they need um, uh, Synapse, which is high fleet locked. But if you put them in Kronos, they can have uh, Symbiostorm and explode sixes. If you put them in Kraken, they can roll three dice to advance and double advance and still shoot. I think you can double advance and still shoot, can't you? Yeah, you can. Yeah, and then you, you throw, Yeah, and then you throw Onslaught on them to make them still hit on fours. Well, that means that you're, you've now moved 18 inches and shot another 18, potentially double shooting. So and I think charge. those snares release down and start on the board for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. And even still, you can have flink them onto your own board edge on turn two and get them into the back into the game that way. Like they're, if it's not the game of Deep them because of screens or whatever, you can find a use for these things. There's still 30 offset guys who are still fast. Yeah. I mean, isn't aren't they also good for clearing screens to get your Demacarans into what you want to get them into? Yeah, for right? sure. So between that and the hive guard and the exocrine, like what kind of screens are going to stand up to that <laughs> to the point where Dan McCarran can't move over something to make a spot for the whole I'm just, I'm just saying it, it helps with the, the no, whole thing. Yeah, you know? like it's a, uh, like between this army shoots so hard, like there are no screens that the Dan McCarran goes where it wants. <laughs> yeah. I think that you're, and you guys are exactly right. The, 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 all of the shooting and it's weird that Tyranids ended up with such efficient shooting, but all of the shooting is huge because it means that your opponent can't screen the diamond counts because you can, it's too hard. Basically I've, I beat a, I, I won a game against um, basically John Lennon's white scar list. Uh, and I won a game against it with the diamond Karens just because no matter how much I told him how my movement worked, he, he just could not screen the important stuff. All the plasma inceptors and Vanguard vets were dead, dead in the first couple turns because there's no ability to protect from, the way that the, the way this the list approaches you. And you were saying that the Dimecarans are D3 plus three damage, right? So yeah. on their worst day, you're doing four damage to a biker or a, a three four damage to a plasma inceptor with six of feeling of pain or eradicator with six of feeling of pain. On your worst day, you're one shot in these models. Mm-hmm. It's also really good into a lot of the stuff that's popular now that's a little bit um uh lightweight becomes in units. Um mortifiers is a thing that I've seen a lot on the table. Um, where you can just charge into the mortifiers and be like, "Oh, you guys have five wounds each with a feel no pain." Well, here we go. So yeah, one thing I think like is also worth maybe you guys talking about a little bit is because of the insane threat ranges and the good shooting. I feel like this list has a lot of initiative to sort of determine where the fights happen and how the how how the battle is shaped because because of your movement and because of your efficient shooting, like you kind of dictate to your opponent what they have to do where you're going to have free reign to be wherever you want because you, you in a way are sort of threat lo- threat overloading in a lot of ways yeah i think that's a big part of 40k 
and this is this is I'm giving Nick total credit because I didn't play anything fast until Nick started explaining speed to me in 40k. So Nick gets all the props here, but I Thank firmly you. believe that the fastest army wins a lot of the time um, in a in a game of of comparable skill because you get to pick the fights. I think that's why White Scars are as good as they are. I think that's why Blood Angels are good. I think that's why Sisters are good. All of those armies are really powerful in in great part because they get to decide when the fights are going to happen. And the Dimacara and the Tyranids get to decide that bef- more so than any of those armies. And it's really, it's really an incredible matchup. And one of the things that Nick's comment about the Gene Stealer comparison that's interesting is Gene Stealers were bad at killing heavy targets. They were just bad at it. You didn't want to charge a knight with 20 gene stealers. We did. You didn't want to charge a rhino. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, Yeah, no, I know. Anything that was over over T4, the math gods, it was too volatile, and you couldn't predict what was going to happen. It was like, will I do six more wounds, or will I do 20? Who knows? So the Damacarons kill everything. (laughs) They kill, they kill, they don't, they don't care. They kill Plague Burst Crawlers. They kill Manicores. They kill Lehman Russes. They kill characters. And that makes the the threat of what your opponent's worried about. They your your opponent is now trying to figure out what thing you value in their list. Where are the Damacarons going to go? Because I just want the Damacarons to distract you and to kill your most important stuff. That's what I want. And so I'm not going to tell you what I think your most important stuff is. And that's again how you're kind of paralyzing your opponent for what they actually need to do and how they need to screen. So everything you're saying makes perfect sense to me. I just want to finish going through the last bits list because I guess these are the fine points where a lot of players might differ. And I want you to kind of defend your choices here. Okay. You went for one unit of three rippers, then uh, one unit of thirty hormigons, and a unit of ten hormigons. Yeah. That could have easily been three units of ten or teens rippers or whatever have you. Um, What's the justification for your breakdown? Well, I am very unpopular on this. I would say that most Tyranid players that I have helped have have that have uh, piloted this list are not using, not doing the thirty of Hormigons. Um, I love it. Uh, I think that there is uh, there's there's a strat in uh, I think it was in Psychic Awakening that is uh, Hormigons get AP one on uh, for one CP. Yeah. So Hormigons. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Hormigons are fast. They have reroll. They're they only hit on fours, but they do have two attacks each. So that's sixty attacks, rerolling ones, and then wounding, and then strength three. But fine. But also rerolling ones. They get to reroll ones in both places if the unit's big enough. Um, I like to put catalyst on it. I like to throw it across the board. I like to move block people with it. Um, but in addition to all of that, I like to kill stuff with it. So um, I've talked a lot about sisters already. Uh, sisters is one I think one of the best armies in the game. So I have a lot of reps into it. Um, sisters, just charge them with the Hormigons. It'll kill Repentia. It'll kill the Melta sisters. It'll kill the just normal sisters. It won't kill a lot of them, but it will kill enough. And now you're in combat with them. And you can acidic blood and kill them when you die. You can fight again. You can wrap stuff up. You can wrap people and stand on an objective. All of that power is lessened by having tens. I've run a 30 across the board and wrapped a sisters unit on an objective and wrapped two sisters units on an objective before, and then killed one down to a small, well, now they can't escape because the stratagem isn't going to work twice to get them out of combat, and I'm on their objective. In addition to all of that, it just is so annoying for your opponent to deal with exactly 30 models that are immune to morale. 
And the things in the game, because like they'll just keep putting shots into them, trying to figure out how much to put in, and you'll end up with four guys left standing on an objective. Uh, in addition to all of that, though, man, is it just good to have this big thing that can just move block. The thing that can make a wall that uh, stops them from moving forward. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about that. I've talked enough about Hormagons probably, but... Um, I believe that there are matchups, and I've seen this a little bit, where you take the Hormagons on the first turn of the game and you double move and advance them. So they go like 30 inches or whatever across the board, and you literally just stand in front of your opponent in their deployment zone. And I once got into an Atirnid Kraken mirror match against Nadal Bromwitz from the Best in General podcast and Ari Painter. And I... Triple moved my Hormagons to move block his entire army in his deployment zone. Triple moved. It was beautiful. Yeah, because what like are they going to do? Yeah. What are they going to do? And there's a lot of slow armies. Like, I would do that to a Death Guard army in a heartbeat. Yeah, like if I, I was like, actually surprised John didn't do that, but John didn't have a 30. He did a 20 and 10 in our game. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so what's the downside of them being a 30? It's Blast. Everybody's afraid of Blast. Well, let me tell you, uh, plasma Inceptors are the only blast that I'm actually worried about here. Plasma Inceptors will wreck that unit, but if they're shooting Plasma Inceptors in that unit, those Plasma Inceptors have died, and they have traded their lives for that unit, and that's okay. I Other think it's more than just a blast. I think there's a lot of hidden costs to the 30-man. Okay. The 30-man is really crappy at doing actions, because if you want to use it for an action, that's sure. 30 bucks not doing something. It also makes engaging all fronts quite challenging, just because, like, not one model can straddle a quarter. Like that's not how I want to use this unit. Okay, that, I think that, those are both all. completely fair criticisms. I I, uh, I could see that, and I I'm not completely against the idea of breaking it into smaller units. But for me, I I've gotten too much value out of the big one. Um, I only, that's totally fair. I just and, wanted to play the devil's advocate there. Yeah, no, and I think you're right. Um, a bunch of the action based things I don't like. Like I don't like raise the banners. So. That's a playstyle thing. Um, I the only one of those I do is scrambles, and I use the lictor mostly for that. The lictor and the ten man. So yeah, that's where I'm at on it. Uh, the rippers, right, well, and then ahead. the only other thing that you asked me about was the rippers. I just like having three rippers because I often like to deep strike a random thing. <laughs> it's just a thing that I like to have, so I can drop <laughs> it in on an objective late somewhere. in the game wherever yeah. I happen to need it. Also because they're Chronos, they get the anti psyker twenty four inch aura around them which means that they're a really irritating thing that can deep strike and annoy your opponent. Yeah, so. and you need a troop for that unit, that patrol anyway, so... Exactly, <laughs> yeah. That was the only other thing you asked me about. John, you had something? I was just going to say, like, now that we've talked about a lot of the differing pieces and parts, I want to hear Colin sort of break down the overall strategy of the list. Obviously, it's going to change depending on matchups, but there's got to be sort of a, a design idea of how you're going to play your ninth edition games. Um, and I'm kind of curious, like... What are what what would you tell a new player to think about? Just like a couple a couple uh, uh, ideas of of how to think about the army when they're formulating their battle plan. Yeah, I think that's that's a great question. And and the way that I play in general is very much about how do I hurt my opponent's ability to play the game while also limiting my exposure, my risk. And that's two different things. The first part of that is what are the most important things my opponent has. And what do and what and and what are they? And can the Damacarons get to them? <laughs> and if they can't, can the Hive Guard get to them? And if they can't, can the Exit like what are all the different things? So I used sisters as my example earlier. Three units of Repentia, two units of Melta. How are you going to deal with those five things? 
right? That's just an example of five things that your list wants nothing to do with. So think about that. And then as you're thinking about this plan, how do you protect everything? So in most games, the hive guard are deployed in the forwardmost place where they cannot be seen. They're 36 inch range. There they are. I often wrap them with the 30 horns early, depending on who I'm playing against, if they have the ability to get out there. But you need to block for them. You can't let anybody touch the Hive Guard. Losing one turn of Hive Guard shooting is unacceptable. The Exocrine, he doesn't have an invul. He's fragile in, in the greater scheme of things. He's T8. He's got 12 wounds. But he's fragile. If they want to kill him, they're going to. So the Exocrine, eh. <laughs> it's it's kind of like, accepting what's going to happen threat-wise. So you're, you're thinking about how you're going to protect your stuff, and you're thinking about what you need to get killed with that, what you need to kill with them, and then here's the way your first turn goes. Can I charge both Dimecarons? If I can, that's what I'm doing. And the way that that works, and this is most matchups, there's a few matchups where the Dimecarons are, are more skirmishing on the, on the, on the uh, outskirts, but for the most part, in they go, Okay. And how they would both charge first turn is it's very easy to make them both go 24 inches in charge. And on most tables, both of them going 24 inches in charge means they both charge on the first turn. So where am I going to charge them? And how am I going to get value for them? If I'm going to just pick up a screen and then die, that doesn't work. So can I pick up the screen and then can I overrun this to a safe place and so that I can on second turn go in? Um, what's going to happen to them? That's the, that's the one I'm trying to explain, and I didn't do... I wasn't super clear on what I was trying to say, so let me re-articulate it. You're thinking about, what can I get done with these without either without losing them or with just taking an immense amount of effort from my opponent to take care of them? While that's happening, everything else is playing the mission. I want to get the most primary I can. I want to make sure I max my secondaries. I'm almost always going to have a gauge on all fronts and deploy scramblers. The list is excellent at both of them. The Dimecarons are always going to be in a corner of, of their own, right? The, There's so many monsters that are just chilling, hanging out, holding a quarter. I'm always going to take uh, deploy scramblers. Uh, my third one, it could be a kill one. It could be, um, it's not going to be domination because that's the same as engage. But how do I max my secondaries? How do I do this? How do I position? And then how do I pick them apart? And then Hive Guard, Exocrine, I'm going to focus on the highest value stuff that is the most dangerous to the hive, to the uh, Dimecarons. Because if, this is first turn stuff, okay? If the Dimecarons live to turn three, you've won the game. If one Dimecaron lives to turn three, you've probably won the game. They have to die exceptionally quickly for your opponent to have a chance. And we've seen... We've seen that you can see this all through. We've have, have a ton of stream games. There's probably 15 stream games uh, um, up on our Twitch and YouTube of, of this list. And what you'll see is anytime your opponent splits fire to try to kill both Dimecarons, they lose the game. So, can confirm. Made that mistake in my first try. Left one on one, one left one on five wounds, got wrecked. <laughs> yeah. And what was, and, and that really showed it off too, Nick, because your list was very susceptible to the Termagant shooting and John didn't need them. Right? Like, so I uh, so yeah, that that's basically the list though. How do I get ahead on points while he's dealing with the Damacarons or cripple him with the power of the Damacarons so hard that it doesn't matter? That it just the rest of the rest of it doesn't matter. So it sounds like a lot of the tempo and control of this list is based on the Damacarons doing what they do. And I don't want to get too deep into the matches, but in theory, if you do run against a gunline type army, um 
you're 18 wounds, you can't hide behind obscuring terrain, you're pretty big, so if they can just see you, they can shoot you. What's plan B? So, the yeah, you're exactly right, and you've identified the exact weakness of the list, which, you know, I knew that you already knew. Um, so, if, first though, okay, two different topics. What do we do if the Damacarons die? And how do we stop the Damacarons from dying? So, the first one is, what do we do if the Damacarons die? If both Damacarons die on the first turn before you go, you're probably SOL. Uh, <laughs> If one of them dies, you're okay, because the other Damacaron could still rush in, could still be a distraction, you could put Catalyst on it. Um, remember that turn two is Swarmlord, because once the Damacarons are fighting, Swarmlord doesn't have another job, and he, and unlike the way this list played years ago, he isn't important at all um, after the Damacarons have gone. So he goes in, and he, so you're still able to send threats in, you're still able to play the mission, the list functions great. Remember, the Damacarons are only 230 points. So one dies on the first turn, you're playing down 230 points. That's a pretty normal amount to lose. Uh, but your, your army becomes hold the board, play the mission, shoot, the, shoot with the hive guard, and, uh, and go that way. And, and it's not going to fail all the time. So how do we keep the Damacarons alive? So like Nick said, they can't hide behind obscuring because they're 18 wounds. They are 6.1 inches tall. Um, there are tables where that matters because the train is 6.1 inches tall. If you have those tables, you, congrats, you just get to win. Uh, we played a bunch of games on WTC terrain in that format with the with the huge amount of six inch and nine inch line of sight blocking walls. Uh, this list this list is just bonkers. Like the the Demacaron is jumping out from behind a wall at someone is not actually very. It doesn't feel great for your opponent. Uh, so the situation that we're worried about, right, is you don't have anything to hide behind, which I think in America at a local common tournament is going to be a thing that you just have to deal with. I think most tables won't have a place to hide even one Dimecaron. Some will, most won't. So the question is, who are you actually worried about? And I believe that the, the army that you are specifically worried about, and we'll talk about this in the second one, but the specific army you're worried about is Admech. I have played into every other efficient gun line I can find and going second with no terrain meant one Dimecaron, not two. Admech means two. So I don't know how that how that yeah, fits in. I was exactly gonna say here. as far as like super shooty, not Admech army, I was gonna go to uh, triple tantalus actually. But I could see that killing one. Yeah, and I, I haven't I haven't actually played against that, so I don't I don't have a lot on that. But like the the reality is that the people that were shooting the big efficient gun lines was Marines in eighth edition, and no Marines aren't doing that now, right? Remember, everybody had last cannons that always hit and always wound that were shooting from the beginning of the game. And it's a combat addition these days, you know. Yeah, nobody good. has that. So uh, plasma inceptors aren't going to get you first turn. Sisters, by the way, aren't going to get you first turn unless it's Dawn of War in a very particular situation. Um, this they're just not. So. Yeah. So I have I have two more questions, and the first is very close to my heart. Colin, where are the Tyranid Warriors? <sighs> They keep getting buffed, and they're just not good enough. And I like them now. I'd like there are seventeen points for like the cheapest kind, which is like three toughness, four wounds. Yeah. Like that's like intercessor, like you know, a weird intercessor level of durability in three man units for fifty one points. That's obsec, and, and, I, and they can do actions and stuff. Like that's all I want them to do. I don't want them to actually fight or do anything. But I think that's not bad. No, I don't think it's bad either. I think it's the the meta that I'm presuming is heavily marine. And in that meta, and Death Guard as well, everybody's gearing 
to kill high wound. Like right now, I think that having a, I actually don't like Ripper Swarms right now. And that's, a, I think, a, a better example for a lot of Tyranid players. Early in ninth, we were saying, everybody just pivot to Ripper Swarms. Points-wise, you get more wounds for points. <laughs> the problem is that everybody's building to kill multi-wound models, and Death Guard only is going to make that worse. So it's actually, in my opinion, better to have 10 one-wound models than the three four-wound models or three-wound models or whatever. <laughs> that's where I'm at on it. That's a very fair point. It's just not the time for the warrior. It's never the time for the warrior. McDougal. No, and you know McDougal would just would just bust his his cat. He would just lose his mind if warriors were a thing. Like he just he keeps trying. Uh, I I guess I want them to be good as well. I think that the if we're if we're primarily worried about marines, I think it's not their time. So all right, the last real question I have is going to be secondaries. The Tyranids. Uh, you said they're always really built to play the mission. How so? Well, the Lictor comes in and just gets Scramblers on the turn he comes in. So I often do Scramblers. Uh, engage on all fronts is just, it's hard not to, like, you're going to get, I, I see secondaries for armies that aren't cheating like Marines. Um, I see armies as, can you get 10 from the secondary? That's how I think of it. If you can get 10, okay. If you can get 12, great. And if you can get 15, awesome. With engage, you're never going to get less than 10. You're just not. You're all over the board. You've got deep strike coming in. Everything's crazy fast. And a lot of the times it's like, oh, I moved Swarmlord six inches this way and now he's in a different quarter. Like it's just, it's really easy to do engage. Um, I don't like um, a lot of the other action-based objectives for this army. Um, I don't like trying to hold off people for banners, stuff like that. So usually my third one is going to be something related to my opponent. It's going to be assassinate, right? If they have any number of characters, because as John pointed out, it's the Demacarons are all about killing characters. Um, it's about uh, uh, just what else can I get? Is there a good one for the, for the mission? Like the third one's hard, but it's almost always engage and, and scrambles. Do you do you ever? This is a cool trick that John Lennon almost did in our game today, but decided not to. You could do psychic ritual with the flyer and just yo-yo him back with sworn one every turn. Yeah, I like that, and I I think there's value to that. There's also like on the scouring and missions where the fights in the middle of the table. You can do the psychic powers near your opponent's deployment zone. I can't remember exactly what the wording is, but you can do that one really easily. So yeah, there's play there. The one thing that I would not take. And people keep telling me to on our stream games is when we stand, because like the three when we, the three when we stand targets are the swarm lord and the dimacarons, and the all three of those things will die. Like in any sort of even remotely close Isn't game, it, those will not live. What's that? I thought it was swarm lord hive guard and one of the dimacarons. Oh, it might then, be. Then it's not so bad. You're right. It is the hive guard because they're slightly more. You're right. <laughs> Still. Well, okay. I, I mean, John took it today, and I don't love it either. But I will say, Swarmoy can hide behind a wall pretty well and mind his own business. And Hive Guard don't die unless you're getting wrecked. So yeah, I think that's it's fair. not bad for a ten. I think that's fair, and the Hive Guard for, almost never dies, so that's for sure. But like, I like using Swarmlord as an expendable missile with the Dimacarons. I like, I, 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 I go in with him. He has two powers. He's really good in combat. He's fast. He's super durable. It's like the way that the list played years ago. You'd lose like everything but Swarmlord. And like turn four, turn five, Swarmlord would be bouncing around the table, killing everything because they wouldn't be able to deal with them anymore. 
And so I still use them like that. So to hide him for the five points for me would feel really bad, but you know, it, it certainly is a way you could go if you have no other secondary to take. Um, I, I did want, I wrote in my notes, I did want to share um, the most important way to understand how to play play with and around the Damacaron uh, eating ability because it's really nuanced. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so the, the eating ability is worded that it's a unit in engagement range, but it's after you fight and before you pile in. So let's say you're charging one unit of stuff. If your opponent's savvy, they'll pull all the stuff in engagement range as the casualties you killed. And now you're not touching anything, so you don't get to do your your you don't get to nom nom and eat them. So the way that you get a, so if you're playing against Demacarons, you can look for situations where you can literally pull it out of combat. Then if he decides to pile in, well, great, you get your attacks into the Demacaron, and you're no. So he you pull the casualties away from the Demacaron. Yeah, sure, it gets to pile into you, but it's not it's not then doing its mortal wound ability, and you were already going to be in combat with it. From the Damacaron player point of view, what you're looking for is two units next to each other. Because what you want to do, and primarily you want a thing that is really high value that you want to kill next to a thing that's strength three or less. That's what you want. And then what's going to happen is you're going to charge into the thing that you want to kill, but you only charged it. And then you pivot when you pile in to get an engagement range with the unit you didn't charge. Because you didn't charge it, you can't put attacks into it. It can't be. Rem- they can't remove casualties from it. Da, 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 da. I mean, you could charge it. That doesn't really matter. Um, and then you wreck the unit you charged, and then you do your mortals against the other things. So against Death Guard, which is my, I think the most recent time I played this list. I guess I played it against Sisters too. Uh, but in against Death Guard, what I would do is I would charge the Terminators, and then I would tag the Poxwalkers, right? So then the Terminators get destroyed, and then Immortal and the Poxwalkers. So if you're playing against this list, what you'd want to do is you'd want to screen everything with Poxwalkers, because aside from the million mortal wounds that they do to me if I charge them, I don't want to fight just Poxwalkers with a Demacaron, right? So um, anyways, that's just a, it's a very nuanced thing, and if you understand how it works, it'll make you a better player, or it'll make you really struggle with the Demacarons. I think that's really glad to, good to highlight for anyone trying to play with or against the list. That's like playing around those things is really important. Mr. Damaris, was there anything else you want to ask Colin over here while we had him? No, I think that's a great discussion. And Nick, did you want to talk about the uh, Frontline Gaming? What, what's the pass called again? The Express Pass. I would yeah. love to talk about it. So right now, Frontline Gaming is offering a an Express Pass you can buy. It's $220. And what it gets you is access to any three frontline gaming sponsored events of your choice from now through the end of 2022. So if you're worried about committing to events because COVID, I totally understand. This is good for about two years now. So, you know, you you should get your money's worth, I imagine. There is a bit of a savings if you were to buy uh, three individual event tickets. It would have cost you more than $220. Um, depends on which events you go to, but overall, it's a savings. So uh, I got one personally. I highly recommend you do it. They're they're really good because these events sell out like hotcakes when the COVID times uh, are done. So, so well, also, I think mm-hmm. it's worth noting that they've announced a whole bunch more events. So they've oh, got they have. How could I forget? They got one in Atlantic City, another team tournament. Uh, there's one in New Orleans. There's one in. A whole bunch there's a whole bunch more there's like i think seven or eight gts per year now so really exciting stuff to to lie ahead in the 40k frontier yeah and so basically there, there should be a place where you can use that that pass that express pass 
and it will save you money, guarantee your spot. And it, it, let's be let's be transparent. It helps frontline gaming with their planning because they're they're expanding to all these new events. The more people that they pre-sell to, then they have a better idea of how much terrain they need to get, how much space they need to reserve, because um, I'm sure that's fluid with each of the hotels. So you guys are helping them with their planning too. Uh, and as we get the vaccine rolled out and we get back to in-person 40K, I don't think anybody's not excited about that. I know I am. So um, check that out. Okay. Well, we have now finished episode one. That was our macro discussion. That was what we call our strategy discussion, which was really good. Thank you, Colin. We really appreciate that. Now we're going to move into episode two, where we get into the nitty-gritty, dirty details of optimal play with Colin's list. We're going to talk about matchups. We're going to talk about specifically what the Demacarents kill at every matchup. I'm pretty sure that's going to be one of the primary things we talk about. Like, what's, he's, what's, he, looking to, what's he looking to eat? <laughs> uh, so, patrons, we'll see you all at episode two. Everyone else, we'll see you next week. Like the strategy discussion you heard? Want to hear more about the tactics of this list? Sign up for our Patreon at AOW40K.com, where we go deep into details of optimal play. This has been Art of War, a strategy and tactics podcast for Warhammer 40K, hosted by Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Find us at AOW40K.com. And of course, connect on Facebook. Just look for AOW40K. 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 Till next time.